0: Welcome. Welcome back to another another episode of Energy Bytes. We are here with uh, Mister Robert Nealon, Bobby Nealon. Our guest today is Liz Dennett. She's currently the CTO at Simvida. Right. Also has some really great prior experience to that that I'm sure we'll we'll dive into uh, here in a minute. But Liz, just tell us tell us a little bit about yourself where, how'd you kind of get here today? Where, where'd you grow up? What, what was your kind of journey into, into the data energy tech space?
1: <laughs> well, how long do we have? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I grew up in a little town in Alaska, like the kind of place where it, when I grew up, we did not have paved roads. We did not have internet. We did not have cable TV.
0: Or grocery stores.
1: Right? Or grocery stores You we were talking yeah. about. Like yeah. the protein yeah. we ate was fish that we caught. And a lot of our vegetables <laughs> were things that we grew. It was a very different place to grow up. and. I always, I always lead with this because when when I ask people like who they are, what are you, it's really easy for people to lead with a job title, which mm-hmm. is awesome now. I have a great yeah. flashy job title. It's my dream job. I love it so much. But at my core, I'm not a job title. Mm-hmm. I'm a builder. I'm a roll my sleeves up, learn how to do stuff builder. Um, that has been a common theme throughout my life ever since high school. Fun fact, I was voted most likely to get away with anything in my high school class <laughs> in the early two thousands. Um, not cause I was really going out full force against the man. Although spoiler alert, I did have purple hair. I played bass in a punk band <laughs> and, awesome. uh, was a little bit of a, a handful. So not much has actually changed aside from my, I can no longer pick up a bass and, and rock a sweet rift. Um, so. Grew up in rural Alaska. These days, I lead our technology development and deployment at Semvita, where we lead nature-inspired biosolutions for a carbon-neutral future. I will talk at length what that looks like. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it involves microbes. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into DNA and microbes that maybe you thought we'd be signing up to. So we'll talk about genetic sequences in addition to the zeros and ones of the cloud. Um, in my career, I've I've had some amazing roles. I was a geologist at Hess after my PhD, which happens to be in astrobiology. I worked for NASA looking at how life evolved on early Earth as a proxy for life on Mars. At Hess the geologist, worked at Biota where we were pioneering genomics in the energy space, did some time at AWS on energy data platforms where I worked with energy companies all over the world trying to get their data into the cloud so that they could use really fun things like AI and ML to really optimize their workflows. Um, prior to this, I was VP of data architecture and data engineering at Wood Mackenzie. I had an amazing team in Scotland and I've been with Semvita for a month now. Crazy. So (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot to unpack in there. Yeah, not a ton. Um, but if you ask me for one sentence, who I am, what I do, what we do at Semvita,
0: we're builders. Build cool shit. We build
1: cool shit. Yeah.
0: No, find solutions, build it, make it happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, and that, that goes into things we'll talk about in terms of formal technology training. My degree is not in computer science. Yeah. And really some of the best technologists and people that are making the biggest impact in the energy space do not have formal degrees in computer science. They're yeah. builders. That's yeah.
0: I mean, I think one thing maybe we'll get into later on it too, is like, I'm, I'm interested. Cause like, I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around it is like the type of education, like you grew up in a rural area, yeah. but like, is it almost better for kids even in this era of AI to like not even touch it yet and like learn how to just like, do things and like, and like, like be creative with like sticks and stones <laughs> almost. And then like, they can probably pick that up or is it just better get these, this tech in their hands early. And you so know.
1: I don't have kids. I have yeah. no idea. So I think in many ways Please that makes it so much easier answers. for me yeah. to be like,
0: <laughs> well, no, I mean, just I mean, I, well, I think it's, I think it's a bigger, tell you,
1: absolutely a, a bigger
0: question. Like edu- yeah. I hire educate or just education in general. Like, you know, it's like,
1: I will say that in my own life unstructured time, like, I don't know if you guys have found yourself recently on an airplane. This was brutal in COVID where I didn't have any of that unstructured downtime. Cause I was trying really hard to keep the existential dread from, from yeah. crawling in, <laughs> you know, like the tiger King, the sourdough bread mm. baking, the no, oh, everything yeah. is fine. Everything <laughs> is fine. Um, and the time that I find myself really missing is that time when you're on an airplane seat and the wifi is unexpectedly broken <laughs> yeah. and it's like you and your laptop and you just have to sit yeah. and think. And to me, that's the equivalent of like being a kid with sticks and stones in the backyard. My parents were the parents that are like, all right, it is 9 a.m., go in the backyard, we'll see you for lunch and we'll see you for dinner. Um, And I think there's a sense of independence and just fix it that comes with that. Yeah,
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I think that's for a lot of people that I know, I am right there with you as far as just like solving problems and making stuff better, more efficient, automated, whatever it may be, right? Just like the core of a lot of. I feel like the energy industry is, we love solving problems and there's incredible yeah. problems to be solved, which is what, for me, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer that had no exposure to oil field until my last semester of college. And I was like, I didn't know anything about it. And then I got started getting into it. I had this internship and I like, holy shit, there's all this amazing stuff to learn. There's yeah. all these incredible challenges and it's logistically complex and it's global. And there's so many things that are into it that I completely agree with you that Just that ability to you don't have someone there holding your hand when you're outside playing and something breaks or like whatever, right? Like you yeah. just figure God, out ways to sense. fix it. Right.
1: And I remember one of the step changes is I was at an unnamed job and I had just been promoted. I was my first like proper leadership role. I was a manager of managers and I was used to operating really tactically where I'll just put out fires. I'll get stuff yeah. done. Like the, my first gut response is typically the quickest. And I, I had to be coached a lot of times like, Hey Liz, think about the broader implications, right. spend time really defining the problem to your point. And I remember, cause I like to solve things tactically in my calendar, I built in like my deep thinking time, yeah, like yeah. shut the door, find a quiet place, yeah. have your critical deep thinking time. And at the time it was really hokey, but that's your shower time. That's yep. your windshield time. Mm, that's, that's like, that's the time you got to make space for, because yeah. if you're not defining the problems accurately, it's really easy to jump to the solutions. It's so easy to say, yeah, we'll throw AI ML at this. Yeah. Um, we will, <laughs> we'll solve the problem here, but you don't even know what the problem is. Right. Yeah.
0: No, it's very very true well and especially as we just talked about like the complexity of and the risks associated with a lot of energy stuff are very different than the risks with a lot of other things right and so like it's a much more to your point it's a very high, it, there's a lot more things that go into it than what is how do we solve the problem because yeah. it's yeah. well what are what is the problem to your point what are the risks associated with yep. x y and z solutions and all of the kind of Downstream pieces of that. Yeah, I'm, I'm big on like second order effects. like yeah. You know, yeah. Like, you know are, are we just, are we solving the symptom or the right. you know cause? All that stuff. Well, yeah. there's so, so much, and then you have human psychology that plays into all of that too. In the oil field, depending on where you're at, and if you've got field folk like oh, how sure. things yeah, like communicated down. Then, right. You know, yeah. yeah. But then Bubba's got to use it. Yeah. You know, like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I mean. The reality with the energy space is, is I should check my bias here. My dad was a directional driller on the North slope. Mm -hmm. So I, I grew up hearing stories about this. I swore I'd never become a geologist because of this. I took rocks for jocks because it was like the easy science course, (laughs) even though as a high schooler, I took like AP calculus when I was a sophomore and like did great. But I was like, I don't know if I'm good at science. I want the easy stuff. And long story short, I ended up being much better at science and math than I ever gave myself credit for. But that had always been a part of my ethos. And, when you grow up hearing those stories, you actually realize that the people that are up there on the North slope drilling wells have incredible skills. Oh, they yeah. have mechanical awareness. My dad can fix anything. Mm-hmm. He is the OG builder. Yeah. Um. And so there are some incredibly talented and smart people. And when I say smart, I'm talking about all kinds of intelligence, yeah. not just book smart, not just people smart, but there's some great charismatic people, smart people up there too. So. We have some of the best talent that has been working in the energy energy space, the energy transition on all aspects of the energy space, and they haven't solved a lot of these problems. they haven't gotten all their data to be analyzed in yeah. the same way, therefore it's probably not going to be solved by someone trying to do stuff the same way right
0: yeah one hundred no, percent so. yeah I mean <laughs> yeah, because even though I think it's all, uh, I saw mean, shout out to another podcast, I think Matt Harriman had his, and he, you're to talk about how You know, we're actually technology wise, we can land wells, you know, two (laughs) miles deep and over in a 10 foot window. But then I mean, really, you look back on the data side, we don't really have our stuff in order nearly as much as they do on the physical side of it, you know, so.
1: The analogy I would always use when I was at Hess is we, my office was like up on I don't know the 10th floor and it was the equivalent of taking a soda straw diameter, going all the way up there and landing it on something the size of your cell phone. Yeah. Like yeah. that's the technology and the skill we have. Yeah, there's a cone of uncertainty. Yeah, there's stuff we don't know, but it's, it's so advanced. And then when it comes time to be like, cool, let's look at the well logs. Let's see if we can digitize them. Oh shit. I got to go to the library yeah. and dust off the paper well logs or like these are raster images. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a lot of actually what propelled me to join the team at AWS when they were really making some great moves to the cloud to bring energy yeah. companies up to speed. Yeah. But the reality is is energy data is unique and it is a whole different monster. Yeah. And if you're coming in from the outside, you don't understand that we are spanning right. like temporal generations. We have digitally yeah. native data now. We're getting like WitsML data in real time. We have these raster logs that we're talking about. We have energy, we have like Old school logs yeah. from the first <laughs> wells that were drilled, with, yeah, like souls, in Beaumont, yeah. exactly. I mean, and
0: eventually, I want to have like Brian McDowell on, and yeah. he's like literally trying to digitize it's all, all the old stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like-
1: so we have all these generations. The tools have changed. The quality has changed. That's time. We also have space. We are dealing with information all across the world, and it's three D data. Yep. We have to account for the surface hole locations, the bottom hole locations. Sometimes there are workover. Sometimes there are recompletions. There's yeah. so much complexity with their data, and something that people also don't appreciate is that a lot of it is not an actual physical measurement. Right. It is interpreted. Mm. So even if it's something like a gamma ray log, that is not a direct measurement of your shale <laughs> concentration. Right. So it's not something like Project Gutenberg, where you're able to say, you know what, I'm going to use optical character recognition, and I'm going to figure out yeah. what these words mean. And I'm going to be really clever. If I don't know the words, I'm going to invent captchas yeah. and crowdsource <laughs> Mm-hmm. Fine. If if you're listening and you're like I don't know what that means Google it it's yeah. it's wonderful crowdsourcing, um and it's also not like Spotify where you can use things like waveform analysis to put mm-hmm. together right. bins of music mm-hmm. yeah. because we don't have one or two or three dimensions we can't <laughs> use principal coordinate analysis this is beyond multiple dimensions <laughs> and that level of complexity you just you can't get unless you really grow up in that space literally or metaphorically yeah. yeah. I'll that's, get off my energy soapbox uh, no, now. No, no. I, I love <laughs> it. <laughs> it's awesome. Keep, keep um, riffing. That's great. Yeah. I'm right there with you.
0: When, let me ask you this. So when did you, when do you think was the, like, how did you get into technology? Like when, as a kid growing up, did you mess with computers? Were you taking stuff apart? Was
1: Absolute- it absolutely. It yeah. was, <laughs> I, I always have, I guess, two versions. One where I didn't formally get like AWS certifications and cloud certifications until later. But looking back, like. I just assumed these were things that People every person did. Like, of course my dad taught me how to program basic at a young age. Of <laughs> course, when I was in seventh grade, instead of going to drama camp, I went to C camp. Like I wasn't good at it, but of, of course you understand the different kinds of loops and there's just a logic.
0: Yeah. It's I, the logic piece, right? Like, yeah, Cause once you know fundamental programming, like, you know, exactly. so, like, you move from one to the next and what's, you know, you know, the control yeah. flow and all that stuff. I'm yeah.
1: like, do not get me wrong. I yeah. am not a, great engineer. I'm not a great programmer. That is not my superpower, but if you can kind of grok it and understand yeah. it. Yeah. And to the point, if, if you ever, I guess, <laughs> you know, you have that basis. If I'd love to hear your guys on this, if you've ever had a conversation or typed out something and you're like, if
0: then. <laughs> you're just
1: writing normal conversation and someone's been like, Oh, haha, ha funny joke. And you're like, yes, that was Oh, said ironically, yeah. not just <laughs> part of my normal yeah. vernacular. You
0: know your real use case, win conversation. Exactly, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. So I, <laughs> I guess probably I'm, I'm so into the weeds there. I didn't even <laughs> notice it was saying yeah. typical.
0: <laughs> no, I mean that's I'm. I was uh, exposed to like programming in I think middle school through school. Really? Yeah, and I fell in love with the logic part of it. I was right there with you. Like I was never. Bobby knows this cuz I ask him coding questions all the time. I'm not Have you uh, tried
1: asking ChatGPT your coding questions? I,
0: uh, he was like early adopter. <laughs> yeah.
1: Freaking life changing. that
0: for a while. Life changing. Using yeah. it to document my GitHub code as <laughs> well cuz it will document and, my code. And GitHub better. copilot. I don't know if you're actually putting your fingers on the keyboard yet. But yeah. yeah.
1: So good. Yeah.
0: And so but it's one of those things. It's like once you understand like my brain is just very logical to a fault at times but like code is just logic, right? And yeah. but I think that's such a unique thing to have because there's that there's that gap between the highly technical folks that can code anything and everything mm-hmm. that are, you know, all the way down into building their own AI stuff and then the business side where like they have no idea what these guys are talking yep. about but they know they have all these problems and so if you can just understand, you know, hey, this is how code is written and built and all this stuff and then you can understand like okay, this is what GitHub is yeah. and repos and oh, we can put this repo together with this and then this can be hosted on the cloud yeah. and we can do all these things. Yeah. You start really seeing like all the potential of of what technology can yeah, really absolutely. bring. Our county manager called it the, the art of the possible. I agree. Like, right, yeah, know, like, that's
1: such an AWS term yeah. too. It, art yeah. of the possible. Yeah, yeah.
0: So you got into coding in middle schoolish. It sounds like yeah. Or, okay, and
1: like I I still use it for fun. Yeah, probably more than I'd I'd like to admit. <laughs> I still I still use it.
0: It's good. It's a good fun and entertainment. Well, it's like it's. We were talking about the you know that downtime, the brain time that you need. To me, that's a very like therapeutic. Like that's all I'm focusing on. There's nothing else going on. And a lot of the time, I can't get up until I like. It doesn't love a
1: hyperfixation moment? Yeah. yeah. Like who doesn't my, love a
0: my wife and kids yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at four o'clock on a Tuesday? Like oh, yeah.
1: all my weekend plans. Yeah. I need to figure out no, this one thing. I mean, but for thing. me, like, you
0: could do that into the evening. Like sometimes, if, when, everyone, when everyone goes to bed, then you get working yeah. on it. You just get in that zone. You are yeah. just like in it, and and I think there's there's comfort in logic too. Just like yeah. for me, like if it, if it's throwing a bug, like. I know that I'm doing something wrong. Like I'm, cause I'm giving it instructions and it's doing those instructions. And so and the thrill like, of
1: victory, yeah. when you fit, like it's the agony <laughs> oh, it of is. defeat and the thrill of victory. Yeah. I remember I was in San Diego doing something and I was in a Phil's coffee shop and I couldn't figure out, it was like an OAuth 2 <laughs> issue because I was using a Google Colab notebook and it was, taking and, forever. And oh. I was pounding my head into it and I finally got it. And I was just like, yes. yes! <laughs> and everyone turned to me and I felt like, honestly, I felt like such a hacker in that moment. I had all these terminal screens up and I was like, I got this <laughs> It's Southern California. So people were probably like, I can help you. But
0: <laughs> like, I, I, I felt
1: very cool.
0: No, that's, yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons I didn't get into into development is because my patience a lot right. of the time is not, it's just not there for it. But yeah, like it's the best analogy for me is like it's very much like golf because it's like you can go hit a bunch of really crappy shots and then you come up and you randomly hit a great one. Yeah. You're like, man, Mine's I'm Olympic so good at this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm not like, a
1: golfer. I'm an Olympic weightlifter. I did that for a while. And like you can dial in the form on your snatch and clean and jerk and you can have off days and then some days you'll go and it will feel effortless. We'll yeah. Just dial in. Yeah. Um, at least that's what I'm told. I haven't had that many effortless days in either of those, but <laughs> yeah. I keep chasing that high. Yeah, no, it's one true. Day.
0: It's this big emotional rollercoaster. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah no, there was like a, actually I responded to today cause I, I kind of have one of those moments last night I was working on something for an old client that I'd worked with, but it was actually updating a Spotfire <laughs> server and, uh, just, I was ramming my head through a wall like all night, but like, I was like, I'm going to get this done. Good I'm going to get through it. And then like, you know, 1130, like, yes, I got it. And this morning I was able to tell the guy I was working and oh, yeah, awesome. but yeah. But the, the tweet one guy had was like, they were talking about moats or sort whatever, of, you know, startups and moats. Yeah. And he's like, my moat is that I will ram my head into a wall as, you know, long as I need to to get something done. Like, long, <laughs> longer, like longer than any reasonable person would do. like. Yeah. And like, yeah, that checks out pretty much. Or
1: like. like spend too long engineering something so that you'll automate it. So you'll save minimal amounts of time yeah, there's moving some forward.
0: Things are pretty good. XCDR. Yeah, right, there's XC, an XKCD yeah, about that. Yeah, XACD, that's what, yeah, Um,
1: I've gotten a lot better about that. And I have to in my role. I'm but, the person coming in telling my team like, all right guys, I see you're working on that Python as chat GPT. Yeah. And that's actually nice. a big transition coming at it from academia and having, I actually just wrote my first medium article series about that's this. Awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say I
0: read that, that, Yeah, know, we were talking about that. Yeah.
1: One, one of the big challenges, like coming out of academia, you value the journey. And a lot of times while you're knowing something new, you value the journey you have to, but in my role now it's like, all right, if we can shave 50 times off of this, yeah. let google it ask chat gpt make it faster you can still get the thrill of victory
0: once like one of those like like, if if you've hired them like they've checked out like on their skills right now it's like let's amplify those skills yeah yeah let's take it to the next level Copilot or gpt those are code you know pair programming you know that you don't have to pay for you know like so um no it's not super cool so so then like so all right so middle school whatever you got through so did you use any coding like in Undergrad, grad school. Like. I
1: did in grad school. I did a uh, subsurface biogeochemical modeling class. We used a lot of VBA to calculate nutrient flux in yes. the subsurface.
0: In was it VBA in like Excel or Excel legi- two thousand
1: three? Yeah, yeah. which I, at the time was incredibly modern. Yeah. I had to.
0: Uh, I had to learn how to code calculus on VBA and undergrad. These that. were all
1: partial differential <laughs> equations. Yeah, yep, exactly. Um, fun fact about me: I have two tattoos. They're both math symbols. Which ones? Um, uh, maybe we'll save that for later in the okay. lightning round. <laughs> um, so we did a lot of that, which was actually really funny because in high school, and they're like, You'll never use calculus right. again, but you gotta know it. Okay, I was like, yeah. false guys, yeah. I'm using calculus. Um, <laughs> uh, I've I've since then used partial differentials a few other times in my life. So that yeah. came full circle. Um also we were at that point we were calculating nutrient flux, oxidant flux, and I have a dog named Flux. <laughs> So <laughs> if I've not established myself with my nerd credentials yet, I think I just did. I love that. Um, use that in grad school too. It was a lot of automation and a lot of doing stuff with data. Yeah. If I could do it all differently and if I could just put it into a database and use Python, yeah. life would be so fundamentally different now. But I didn't know. No, I feel like you don't know. I mean, no, I honestly
0: feel like that's a lot of people's journey into the kind of tech stack and coding is it's like, oh, like at least in my that's kind of my experience. Right. It's like when we were at RDS, we're dealing with high frequency, you know, high frequency, one second, uh, you know, IOT sensor data. And it's like, well, shit. Okay, you do one second for a month recording a defect yeah. or a PTA and yeah. you can't open it in Excel. So it's like, yeah. okay, well now, now what do I do? Yeah. And I then need you to have just to visualize like, this. right? Learn
1: about relational versus non-relational mm-hmm. databases, yep. mm-hmm. which really is a, is a gateway drug. Like you <laughs> yeah. start with Excel, you start with Python. Next thing you know, mm-hmm. you're like, all right, Rust. Yeah. All right, <laughs> Hello, go, friend. let's see what you got. Yeah. 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 You start with like, how can I get this in? in a relational database next thing you know you're like eyeballs deep in an rds instance in yeah. aws hooking it up to like a, a stage maker endpoint and yeah it's just game on no yeah. game it, on
0: it, it's i feel like a lot of people it's the the problem that they were trying to solve is the source that led them into data technology yeah coding so to speak what uh Let's talk a little bit about kind of the energy tech stack, not necessarily specifically at one company or another, but just over mm-hmm. your career, kind of how that, how you've seen it evolve and some of the interesting things you've kind of seen.
1: Yeah. So, cause you've got to, I mean, I a lot of your experiences
0: is, is, you know, biochemical, it's ge- geological, right? Like, and so that's a whole nother like, you aspect. A, you probably saw a lot of like, especially AWS. I've seen and even, so
1: much stuff. Yeah. I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly And even now, I mean, we're at Semiva. We're a startup. We're under a hundred people right now. We have a cloud footprint. We are we're all in on AWS. Not to spoil which tech stack we're using, Um, and we're trying to figure out. And we're successfully taking the DNA pieces and the biology. We have what I like to call the Indiana Jones of microbial bio prospecting people, which is actually great. It's a segue, definitely worth getting into. But the question is, how do you couple like these academic best practices? finding new microbes, domesticating the microbes, getting as much data as possible, scaling them up in an industrial biotechnology place where you have sensor data coming in every second or every minute, we have genomic data, we have protein and lipid data. How do you get all that together, minimizing your technical debt and getting it together in a way that actually leads to additional IP and doesn't just create a bunch of Excel files somewhere that no one can do anything (laughs) with. Well, you're sharing knowledge, and it's a startup, so you're always building the plane as yep. you're flying it. We also yep. have three different business lines. So we're optimizing three different routes to commercialization. Yeah. Um, and the truth is, is how we're doing that, those lessons are absolutely best practices that I shamelessly have co-opted for my time at AWS, my time at Biota, yeah, course, my, time yeah. at Cass, my time at Hess, my time at Woodmack. Um, so there's a few general best practices, things like building with future possibility in mind, yeah. things like security is always job, mm-hmm. job zero. Um, shameless shout out. We actually, I'm very big on locking your computers when you walk away. Um, the first week and the job people were not doing that. So I sketched out a very sad looking emo (laughs) unicorn. It had like the side black (laughs) hair and sent out an email to the company. Just being like, every time you don't lock your computer, this unicorn gets very sad. And then, if your computer was not locked, I went and set it as your desktop that's wallpaper gonna, to publicly shame I was you. Going to say that's, that's what awesome. so I was. So, in, in yeah. AWS, public shaming was one of our love languages. Um, there's there's a few facts that that happen if you work at AWS. One of them is that you have to tell everyone in every conversation you work there. Um, the second one is you you have the option to get your favorite leadership principle tattooed. Um, spoiler alert: I mentioned I didn't have that, but I'm I'm happy to talk about the culture because there's some great things about their culture. And one of the third things around public shaming is they have a lot of great ways to keep the culture growing. One of them is if you leave your computer unlocked because security is so important, they will reply all to a giant listserv as you (laughs) professing your love for things like unicorns. That's
0: incredible. Wow.
1: Um, And there's scoreboards, there's metrics, there's all kinds of things about it. And so in my email, I was like, we're not going to publicly shame like we would at AWS, but Uh, but... um, so the point of that is that things like security are non-negotiable. Yeah. Because if you do not have your cloud environment secured, if you do not have your laptops physically secured, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing can all be compromised. yeah
0: Well that and if you don't put it up front, like it's right. not gonna happen. It's just like documentation. Like if yeah. you if you put it off the side, like cause you wanna start building. Exactly. And if you don't put it in place and I'm I'm I've been guilty, I'm not gonna act like I'm perfect. <laughs> but but like I just I know from experience, I just know from the psychology of it, it's like you know, you just want to get busy building, exactly. but like, but if you don't set the proper firewalls and everything in place, like you're never gonna go back or and like, do it no. or factor
1: authentication be- using yeah. root credentials to yeah. log in. There's yeah. really simple things like that. Yeah. Um so those are some of the best practices. Also thinking about future optionality thinking about vendor lock-in, thinking about where you can use open yeah. source solutions, thinking yeah. about how you can include new technologies, especially if they're really fun. Do you want to be an early adopter? Do you not want to be an right. early adopter? Yes, do you really need a distributed ledger technology here? Do you yeah, really yeah. need to be thinking about web three probably here? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> if you're thinking about it, the answer is probably no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um,
0: one thing I wanted to maybe get into with you, because I mean, I know I did the solutions architect thing that you've really forced me to do. And I appreciate that for you. <laughs>
1: from you, but, um,
0: um, I, I, I asked for it. I, I saw you out when I was working at University of Lansing, y'all were one floor, I know we met
1: and got coffee. Um, That's that's how, that's our origin story for friendship,
0: but, but yeah. And then you were like, no, you're going to go do your, (laughs) I pretty (laughs) much
1: was. Um, I was like, you person that has an interest in technology, like quick aside. I think we talked a little bit, sorry, before we turn the mics on, but we talked a little bit about how we get people that are technically interested and have the skills, but maybe not don't have the formal training. Like how we do that is if you're listening here, how we hold each other accountable is we hold them accountable. Yeah. Yeah. We say, Hey, Bobby, Hey friend, you're going to do this. And you're <laughs> going to email me back as soon as you do it. And yeah. we're going to celebrate together. And you're going to tag me on LinkedIn because energy needs all of our help. Yeah. And if we see people that have the talent and skills, like yeah. force them. No, that's. And publicly yeah, shame yeah. them yeah, if yeah. they don't. No, absolutely.
0: Yeah. But, but no, so I, I appreciate you for that. But I, more on a technical side, I mean, AWS or cloud architectures built, you know, they push the you know, microservices you know, pretty well. And I, I'm sure you're aware of recently that my Amazon prime thing that came about, but yeah,
1: then, they got rid of their microservice architecture you know,
0: and moved back to towards yeah. a monolith and I'm just kind of curious, you know, cause now you're looking at maybe building something out and is how you, you'll build that. That can be different now than when you would have done two years ago when you're at AWS or, I mean.
1: So I am a huge fan of pragmatism and being around the block once or twice, especially a lot of the lessons that I learned at Wood, Matt coming in very optimistic, like, oh, yeah. we're gonna get these brilliant analysts off of Excel, we're gonna get them trained up, and then them being like, Liz, we're gonna wrestle Excel out of my cold mm-hmm. dead hands. Yeah. Just being more sensitive around the culture. I think part of that is just a natural journey, becoming yeah. more of an executive and less of like sure. a, a cockeyed optimist yeah, who's yeah. a freshly minted PhD. Um, in terms of how we execute now, also in this economy, in terms of just getting to commercialization, ruthless prioritization is yeah. something that you hear throughout the tech space. So we're going to use a relational database. We're going to use RDS because yeah. it's secure. We can encrypt it at rest. We can encrypt it at transit uh, by using the cloud, any cloud. You can abdicate a lot of the undifferentiated undifferentiated heavy lifting so you don't have to do yeah. the patching, the maintenance pieces like that, which yeah, from a 100%. security standpoint, keep me awake at night. But I'm honestly not going to obsess about if we're using MariaDB or Postgres. Um, Yeah,
0: it's a relational database setup. Exactly.
1: Like we, we probably won't use Oracle just because the licensing terms at scale can be prohibitive, but it's, it's going to depend and and how you make, actually, this goes back to AWS principles. One of the, one of the leadership principles is one way doors versus two way door decisions. And if it's a two way door decision, something you can do and then come back and undo, make those really quickly, empower the people to do those. If it's one way door, essentially there's no take back C's, really, yeah. really think about that.
0: It's a good principle. Yeah. It's yeah. really smart, actually. Yeah. Th- those are they're, AWS, AWS's principles are really worth anyone taking to, to yeah. a look
1: at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, everyone has their own favorite ones, <laughs> sure. but um, that is absolutely one of my favorites. Another one is bias for action. So if you're ever not sure about what to do, freaking do something. Right. Don't just sit there. Like yeah. you can do it, you can take it back.
0: Analysis paralysis is a real thing, especially with engineers and with lots of data (laughs) guilty of it myself. Uh, To that point, talking about the stacks and stuff, what is your, I read a, uh, I guess yesterday, um, I was reading the leaked Google doc or uh, Google uh, issuance that they put out internally about uh, basically saying that, you know, they've, they are publicly or not, pub they weren't publicly, it was internal, but Uh, It's public now. It's public now, yeah. Uh, Basically saying that they've lost the AI race. Like, the way that they were approaching things was wrong. Just because it's bigger data doesn't mean it's better. Even GPT and, like, Facebook basically coming out and saying, all of these are progressing, but open source is literally eating our lunch. Yeah. With just the speed of the development, but also, you know, the uh, size of the models that open source is helping develop and the speed at which those models can be run and just the efficiency of those things. And so it's, but then like they of course kind of close it with a positive and it's like, well, the beauty of open source is that we also have access to it so we can plug it into our stuff. And so yeah. I'm curious. Do you
1: think they used an open source program to write that memo?
0: <laughs> it wasn't barred.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were all thinking yeah. it. <laughs> I can
0: tell you that. Uh, but I'm, it's, I, I'm just curious. your your you're, you're Thoughts, take, opinion on that, especially having come from, you know, closed source, but, you know, a full stack type cloud service to building something from scratch, so to speak, with what you guys have and what your kind of approach is with open versus just a a service.
1: I love these tools. And also at AWS, um, I was part of the team doing energy to platforms, the OSDU team, Mm -hmm. which is an open group, open source initiative. Open source stuff is so tricky, yeah, and there's I would agree <laughs> hundreds of examples of open source stuff being done very poorly. It gets a yeah. bad rap within the community. Typically, it's done off volunteer time. And it's actually really refreshing to see open source work done well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is very refreshing. I think in terms of inflection points and step changes with where we are, the availability of tools like ChatGPT to do things like increase the baseline awareness of programming, increase the speed of which we can execute, and take non-value-add activities and automate them is just life-changing. I think it's gonna be very interesting for someone who consumes a lot of content When I start to realize how much of this content is written by automated AIs, <laughs> and then we'll be having AIs distill that content, yeah,
0: I mean they' already and then they're already doing that. Just create right. that
1: cyclical input. Um, an example, though, of just I, I love talking to people about like what are the two or three ways that you've saved hours of your life with Chat GPT? You guys haven't done this and never have to write a letter of recommendation for someone? Oh,
0: yeah, already done it.
1: Copy paste <laughs> that resume. It is life-changing. Um, that's a great example. Um, so summarize, love seeing examples of the open source community thrive. I think it's gonna be a really interesting inflection point. Yeah. And it's always a balancing act because the right. investment required to get any technology to commercialization, whether it's an AI technology, whether it's biotech, whatever it is, is massive. And it's really easy to talk about the unicorns, the things that have been successful. Um, But the economic climate right now, talking to my friends that are at VCs, for instance, is Mm -hmm. it's going to be a new reality. So I think it's a very interesting dichotomy here.
0: Yeah, how do y'all or how do you kind of approach the open source versus as a service as y'all kind of develop?
1: So it depends what it is. I have some good examples. If we have core, if we need to protect our IP, so for instance, for internal knowledge transfers, one of my big priorities as CTO in the first month has been making sure that we have real high levels of visibility and accountability for mm-hmm. how we're doing things like our experimental design. Cause we have,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we have an incredible team. We have a hundred people of those. We have over 40 PhDs. Wow. We're more than half female. We have two different locations. So one thing we've done is spin out an internal wiki page. We're using right. this for electronic lab notebooks. Mm-hmm. AWS, we use wikis internally for everything. Right. Woodmac, Mac, we had amazing usage of wikis. They're searchable, they can help with IP, they can help with security. There's lots of open source wikis mm-hmm. we could use. You can also buy off-the-shelf wikis that take care of the yeah, running, yeah. the maintenance, the user. We and, are going and are to constantly use
0: adding features, right? Co- yeah. and, and have they, integrations
1: they, with third-party yep. features. We could definitely be part of an open source wiki community, run it ourselves, or we could abdicate that, yeah. pay a little bit, and have SLAs around it. Yeah. So to answer that, if SLAs are important, if you need the dura- if you need the durability, the availability, if you need support because it is a core part of your business right. model abdicate that. And that's, what's cool about open source is that there are companies that have businesses around open source and can take those heavy lifting components and, and serve them up to you. Yeah.
0: I mean, there's, that's, I feel like a lot of people, if you're not really in the weeds on tech stacks and just different softwares and stuff, like a lot of people don't realize that like Kafka and conflict, like there's so many companies out there where it's like, here's the open source version. If you want to deal with it yourself, but good yeah. luck. I'm sure you don't. I have,
1: I have a, a confluence coffee cup. Yeah. Yeah. A confluent confluent. Cup. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about wikis. Confluence is, it, the Wiki. Yeah, Wiki, confluent yeah. is the managed Kafka. And I thought I had it for a minute, but we're in the studio. I do not. So normally I'd pick up my coffee cup. Yeah. And be like, yeah. Speaking of real time, let's yeah, talk right. about CDCs or change data capture. Um, that's yeah, let's, let's talk about that. We, we, that's if, if tech stacks and open source is probably beyond the limits of what someone needs to talk about here. Yeah,
0: cause, Cause I'm running, I'm running up on some CDC issues with a very large, <laughs> very large uh, SQL server tables right now. Um, it was partition switching is messing everything up, but yeah, that's maybe another day. Yeah. yeah that's an offline conversation. <laughs> I want to enjoy this conversation. Uh,
1: <laughs> listeners, if you want to, if you want more on this slide into either of our DMs yeah. and we'll see what we can do.
0: No, I think it's a, it's a good point because. Especially when you're in a startup or growth phase, right speed like timing and speed is time is so money critical. it is our single yeah. biggest yeah.
1: limited resource to yeah. my point earlier about academics versus people in industry, the one thing you have when you're in grad school is time if you're yeah. up till three am troubleshooting something, that's fine if you are if you're working for me, I don't want you staying up yeah. till three a m every night troubleshooting things no. like your time, your sleep yeah. that is important
0: yeah yeah, because a lot of you know I also like the open source saAS. Kind of combos is it's like, I can go play with the open source thing, like no risk, see it, feel it yep. out, understand it, and then be like, oh, actually this is very valuable. And yeah, I'd love to have someone take care of all the shit that I don't exactly. want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and it's well, secure and everything. And like you else, say about right? the abdicate, I mean, like it's total cost of ownership, right? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, exactly. you know, Yes. You know, but Bobby, Python it's, is, it's free. Yeah, it's free <laughs> until I have to spin up servers or buy yeah. servers to deploy it. And then I engineers don't patch are expensive and, then, and really yeah. hard to yeah. find or that an, can
1: speak energy and do all the computer yeah. things. And or until can the it.
0: expert on that leaves, can I mean. run infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, keep server rooms up mm-hmm. and have replication oh. and failover. I mean, like, all these things that I have no desire to do. No, <laughs> none. Yeah, none. Um, so, how, how did your role change, say, from AWS to like Woodmac? Or like, I mean, it seems seems like it's different, but the same. I mean, obviously you're probably using similar stuff, but.
1: Yeah. So it's changed in terms of my career progression has really, honestly, it's been my, my goal since college, if not grad school has been to be a CTO of an energy transition startup. Like I've been wanting to be in the C-suite in a CTO role my entire career. And so working backwards from that, I've been wanting to find roles that have more and more oversight, more Mm -hmm. strategic decision-making, and the ability to just build and execute. So when I joined Woodmac, I I actually was not looking to leave AWS. I was so happy there. We were doing some amazingly cool stuff. It was a very tough decision. Sure, yeah. I cried. Pretty much everyone (laughs) I told cried. Um, Definitely a two-way door decision. But... I was reached out to by, at the time, our chief data officer at Woodmack, and he was like, hey, we need data architecture. We have no one. There's potentially one person that could be on your team. This team needs to be founded. It needs to right. grow. And I was like, well, I love a challenge. Yeah. I love growing stuff from the ground up. And so I met with this one individual. His name is Connor. Uh, he ended up helping me found data architecture. He's gone on to do amazing things since then. And it was really just the two of us at the beginning Um, in that time, the VP of data engineering left and they reached out to all the, most of the people that worked for him and were like, Hey, he's leaving. Who do you want to work for? And the vast majority were like, we want to work for Liz. (laughs) So my role in remit grew. My team of one turned into about a team of 50. Oh, wow. And so it was a, it was a executive focused role. It was a lot of learning how to play executive politics, learning how to manage up, learning how to read a room. In that time, too, at Woodback, uh, mm-hmm. when I joined, we were owned by Verisk, which is a Nasdaq 100 company. Okay. We got acquired by private equity during that time. Oh, so mother. it was managing. Yeah, Speaking it was managing that terms, transition. Gosh, yeah. um, I was splitting my time between here and Edinburgh, wow. which was awesome. Yeah, it was really cool, yeah. And spending a lot of time in London, but really figuring out what does it mean to take a company of you know, 1,500, 2,000 people where we have analysts, we have the best and smartest just people interacting with the data in the energy industry. Like we're the go-to experts for so much stuff. How do we enable them with the data architecture, with the data engineering in a way that doesn't do things like ask them to give up their Excel notebooks.
0: Right, no, yeah, 100%. (laughs) Um,
1: So it was was awesome and really enables the energy transition. A lot of work with real-time energy data. We launched a satellite analytics partnership. It was a strategic partnership with Ball, worked with AWS to amplify that work. Um, some of the best and smartest people.
0: So this was more about serving the data out to internal folks at WMAC so they could do an, the analysis that they put out, not necessarily a data product that was externally. It facing. was, it
1: served both. So okay. really looking at the, the, at balancing the simultaneous needs of internal and right. external customers while at the same time building a data platform yeah. that could meet all those needs, which is real-time data. Yeah. It's batch data. It is historical data. Yeah. And then um, somehow it's
0: all related and you got to be able to exactly. Yeah, that's a Messy web.
1: (laughs) Um, We have a team of data modelers It started with Connor before he became a data architect. Uh, when I left, we had hired three or four data modelers and they work within the business units. Uh, Connor and I actually worked on putting together this concept called empathetic architecture which I love because it's not just about saying, all right, here's our architecture diagram. Let's do it. But it's about really getting to know the businesses and really figuring out, okay, you are using these words, but I don't think they mean to me what they mean to you. Um, And we had really good scrum teams. We had a really good agile culture. So what does it mean to the product owners? Mm -hmm. How can we roll this out? It was definitely more of a, a Tech company meets energy company approach. Sure. Yeah. And so even just from a leadership development perspective, I I had to grow my leadership skills in a way that I I hadn't been challenged to do in that way yet. That's really awesome. Um, it was an experience. Well,
0: kind of. Let's get more into the like modeling and kind of exciting data stuff that
1: logical data models, yeah, physical data yeah, models, conceptual data models. I love it. I have some videos on LinkedIn. If anyone's listening and they're <laughs> no, like, go sh- say, "Oh no, go to my LinkedIn." Seriously. There's, You've got hundreds some great of videos stuff. I've recorded. We can you can learn about what they mean, Um, which I'd never been a data modeler. To me, like yeah. star schemas, snowflakes. What do these things mean? Yeah. How does the data relate? What What is data normalization at its core? Yeah, which is actually form and all that exactly thing. which is really interesting. If, <laughs> if you've been working with data. You can grok it. You can understand it when mm-hmm. someone explains data normalization. Yeah. But then you learn they have all these words for things <laughs> that only are these abstract concepts in your head. Um, data in a format that you can use and getting it served up so it's fit for purpose and transitioning from, oh, we we would call it data as, a, as an asset or data as a strategic asset. So it's, it's ready to be used. It's fit for purpose. You don't have to spend the time munging it yeah that's the goal
0: oh 100 well that's like all the time right people are like oh yeah there's an api so we can integrate with that real easy right huge eye roll i mean, huge yeah, eye yeah. Roll. And I, bobby knows <laughs> yeah. well very well that i'm the first person to be like oh yeah that should be pretty easy yeah when whenever any yeah. kind of we small dev well, thing i think, comes yeah, up, yeah, I think but john and i have come full circle on this <laughs> implementing apis <laughs> at rds because that was the cool way to do it yeah then, and now i'm like yeah you yeah. know and now i'm like can you just like Need the CSV. You know I mean, like, can you be like can we, can we can we go back to FTP, please? Like uh,
1: I wonder if speaking of like m- speaking of microservices, I wonder if in like two years from now we'll be like APIs and microservices are so 2022. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's probably I mean
1: monoliths and like yeah. <laughs> scanned the, pictures on, on of prem data. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: Everything is coming full. So I mean far. now it's, it's, I mean now it's passing around parquet files, right? And you know, it's like Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, files
1: can be magic.
0: Oh yeah. No, it's pretty sweet. The more I think about APIs, the more I realize that it's basically just an open source (laughs) data version, right? It's like if you want to come in and format and structure and deal with all of our shitty documentation and (laughs) figure out where this is coming from and what it means, go for it.
1: Um, When I was first working at APS or AWS, I wanted to get cool stickers for my laptop. There's a big sticker culture there. And I remember someone there had a sticker that said, the cloud is just someone else's computer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my God. And I'm just thinking now, like APIs are just making someone else deal with the shitty yeah. parts of your yeah. data. You don't it's want like, to. Hey,
0: <laughs> we didn't have time to document yeah. this or structure it in a logical way. Or here's yeah. all of it. Right. It's going to nest it
1: all. Yeah. Like, you know, oh.
0: five layers deep. Yeah. That's God.
1: Tears it's, not included. Yeah, infuriating. Well, yeah.
0: Here's a soap. Like, here's a soap API. Oh. Have fun. Or yeah. And then, Building on top of, of that. Yeah. Back to the. <laughs> it's like, oh, also, we're going to change our OAuth every six months just to make it even more fun. So once you do get this set up, you have to go fix it.
1: So, yep. <laughs> Let's talk about fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No. But these, so these, about these. those CDC issues you were <laughs> <Yeah>. having.
0: <laughs> just keep going. Down <laughs> that.
1: It can't be that bad.
0: I do want to add because a lot of, at least my understanding of it, which is ex- incredibly limited. I'm a mechanical engineer because I have to see it and t- like t- I have to be able to see and touch things. <laughs> You're right? like,
1: I need the ones and the zeros. Show me the binary.
0: Well, so like lead it where I'm going with it is biology to me, like chemistry and biology, I hated because I you can see it. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll agree <laughs> to come disagree on down to the there. lab. We
1: have this industrial scale-up facility. Well, it's massive. I will we'll absolutely show you how we're getting concede
0: that okay. I did not have the best experiences mm. or professors around that, but um what I wanted to ask is, because a lot of the stuff you've done, whether it's biota or even now, is all tied back to some kind of biology, geochemistry, DNA at some yeah. point. How does that, like, what does that data kind of look like? And I'm not asking you to you know, tell us anything secretive or whatever, but like, how does that process kind of work as far as like, where does that live? Oh. What's the structure? How does it look like? Is I'm going so go to talk
1: about the Indiana Jones of microbe hunters right now. So our, our broad tech stack right now, it has some cloud pieces, but if I'm going to talk about what we do, it actually starts with probably one foot in the cloud, I think it's mm-hmm. fair to say, and the other foot like deep in a mud puddle somewhere where we have freedom to operate harvesting microbes. So we have a bioprospecting team that goes out there to environments and bioprospects or finds these bugs, these single celled bacterium, bacteria, and these organisms we take and then we domesticate using a few tools such as adaptive laboratory evolution.
0: When you say domesticate, I'm gonna play like real Go slowly. for it. What is, What do you mean by that?
1: Okay, so we want them. There's bacteria that exist in nature. Mm-hmm. They're wild type. They can be a little ruly. They're they're the wolves of the world. And when we domesticate them, we turn them into dogs. Got it. We make sure that they want to eat their kibble. They want to eat their feedstocks. Um, We use a few tools such as synthetic biology and adaptive laboratory evolution. Because if we're trying to do something like take hydrocarbons that exist in an oil and gas reservoir and get microbes that can turn those HC molecules into hydrogen, they need to live at very hot temperatures and in very salty environments. And microbes in the wild typically are not used to those. Don't like that. Or they might be part of the way there. So we have to get them used to living in hotter and hotter environments Mm -hmm. or saltier and saltier environments.
0: So is it? is it kind of a hybrid of like genetic engineering and, or to your point, like breeding essentially, yeah, yeah. right? Like this dog, this was a wolf and we bred it yep. down to a Chihuahua. Yeah, it's right. going to turn almost, into a pub like one day. Yeah, evolution even like, yeah, that. we'll
1: <laughs> right. get, we'll get flux flux, the doodle out of it eventually. <laughs> um, so those are some of the tools. Um, in addition to that, once that's all done, we get like essentially hero microbes, these one little individual microbes that can do certain things. We quantify their DNA, The C's, T's, A's, and G's that make up their genetic sequence. We quantify their lipids and their proteins. All that data goes in the cloud so we can put it alongside things like this is the food they eat, this is what they breathe, this is what they secrete. And then we have to take it from little tiny reactors, which can be a mil or up to one liter, and upscale it to things that are thousands of liters, which is actually a pretty challenging process because as a mechanical engineer, I'm sure you can imagine that the processes of which nutrients and oxygen, things like oxygen Mm -hmm. flow in a small reactor, change significantly when you scale
0: up. All your variables change because everything everything, changes.
1: And so we have all those facilities within our lab. And then to Uh keep track of those, we measure the genetics over time, we measure things like lipids over time, and we have computational biology that keeps track of all of that. That's awesome. And so all that data goes in the cloud, all of our sensor data we can track in real time so we can see what's happening. And this is essentially our tech stack. We have a few different applications. We have gold hydrogen, which I mentioned, which in the subsurface, we take existing hydrocarbons in place. They nom nom nom, eat those hydrocarbons and turn them into hydrogen, We use all of the existing infrastructure in the field to produce the hydrogen. We have Eco2, which we use these microbes. They take CO2 and essentially convert it into lipids. So one of the things we're doing there is sustainable aviation fuel or SAS with United Airlines. Fun fact, Oscar the Grouch is United Airlines Chief Trash Officer. And I have yet <laughs> to meet him very on every United call I'm on. I'm like, is 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 Oscar is, gonna is, see? Yeah. <laughs> is, he, is he available? No, no, he's not. Okay, that, that's cool. I'm not disappointed or anything. Um, and then the third one is biomining, where we are creating bio is what they're called, but essentially a microbe slurry that allows us to mine lithium and copper from rocks. Wow. Traditionally you use things like sulfuric acid. They have a, a nasty environmental. Yeah impact and so we're able to use microbes
0: what i'm very curious about all of this stuff because it's I find it, so I find it fascinating. cool it's yeah. so 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 cool so with with the 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 gold what is it gold, gold hydrogen gold hydrogen sorry with the gold hydrogen is there a specific reservoir condition uh pressure temperature etc that y'all kind of target or did you like how did that kind of evolve because Those there's questions. like the average person doesn't realize how yeah. variable so variable oil and so gas reservoirs there are.
1: are certain parameters that we've done first pass screenings in our first uh tests were in certain parameters and our first commercial deploy or our first field deployment is set to be done in uh, some european fields
0: um, or is it but is it like are y'all targeting
1: salinity temperature field? pressure no we want the ones that have been Brown, there yeah that's
0: where we Strip have, have well, the infrastructure. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That, that's what makes it oh, economic. I mean, and we have these orphaned wells. <laughs>
0: that's the thing. It's a beautiful kind of recycling of exactly
1: the system. Like right? you have the water that's been in there, yep. especially if there's been any secondary recovery. Yep. You have water. So we take the microbes. We take food for them, too. They pump it down. We take those hydrocarbons, turn them into hydrogen, produce the hydrogen. I was wow. going to
0: say, and they, it turns into a gas, which you're also already exactly. producing. And we you We have the have infrastructure, infrastructure right you there. You have all the yeah. compressors. You have all the safety. You yep. have
1: And that makes the economics really favorable. And one thing, going back to one of the earlier points about the energy transition and energy in general is there's a lot of smart people working on it. And there's a lot of pragmatic people working on Mm -hmm. it too. And in order to to transition to more of a hydrogen economy, it needs to be effective and it needs to be economical. We can't be asking people to pay an absurd premium or to be subsidizing this forever. And so that's one of the things we're doing is really pragmatically looking at things, just like we're looking at a pragmatic tech stack. Um, If you guys are ever over... All the way over by the stadium, you can see like our Eco Two reactors. When you look at them, they're plastic. They're not these stainless steel right. reactors where everything has to yeah. be super sterilized and right. take. Like they're made to be pragmatic and to scale because that's what makes things economical. Yeah, and that's that's a missing link with a lot of industrial biotechnology. And really, walking through our labs, I've been privileged to give a lot of tours this past week. They look more like uh, the precursors to a wastewater treatment facility than anything else which is actually great because people know how to deal with things like wastewater yeah. treatment. It's right. a lot less scary than like industrial biotechnology using these hero microbes that were Indiana Jones prospecting. <laughs> anyway, the, the the tech stack is in the cloud <laughs> to answer. Yeah, I think yeah. what was your no, question? We just get to go do these Indiana Jones hunting trips, which is very fun. And,
0: and again, like your, your tech stack is serving like this. Your scientists, and everyone like yeah. internally, there's no like external, you know, you don't have a web data, app. Like, for you know, app or nope, you know, not nothing yet. that goes out Yeah,
1: I would love to build, I would love to sassify this <laughs>
0: if it was yeah, possible. No, we'd
1: um, we pretty
0: say that. <laughs> sass products are,
1: you're going to, you're going to oh. come back in two years and I'll be like, this is a sass we built for, yeah. for no reason other than because <laughs> I've always wanted to sassify this. Yeah. And that is a joke for all purposes. That is a joke. Um, but yeah, it's, it's internal right yeah. now. Yeah. And it's, it's our, our database has like 70 tables associated with it, which sometimes hurts my brain because it's a lot of tables, but it's really not. And we have one bioinformatician. He's a PhD. His name is Kevin and he's, he's crushing it.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. How, how do y'all kind of leverage, are y'all leveraging any kind of AI, ML, any fun tools, buzzwords on being able to help kind of figure out or project or come up with different ways um, to kind of use your microbes or
1: I would love to just like gracefully plead the fifth right now oh, and be like, you, "You absolutely we are, can. we are pleading the fifth yeah. right now. Um, in terms of coding and doing things like writing Python code faster, I encourage all my team, even if they're just playing yeah. around with Python for yeah. their, for their day-to-day stuff to use that yeah. in terms of. AI deployments at scale, I think as an industry, we need to be very clear about when you have enough data to do things like sufficient <laughs> yes. test train splits. And I think yeah. a lot of companies say that they're doing AI and ML when they're really not, mm-hmm. or they're taking off the shelf testing splits, right. test yeah. train splits, which which don't fit what we want to do, for instance. Um, we could absolutely use the genetic information out there and build something around that. But right now, the like just to be very candid, the ROI isn't quite there yeah, yeah the tech stack is built it absolutely has the optionality yeah, to do that's that like a whole
0: feature in mind kind of yeah it's yeah, absolutely yeah,
1: yeah. something we can build into the roadmap yeah. well
0: so like what what is like an example i'm trying to comprehend so like i know from our time right like a one second d fit for a month is yeah. about whatever 20 30 megs of yeah. text file what is just like this are y'all would you say you're dealing with like truly big data. No, <laughs> now, we are not dealing with truly big data. <laughs> most oil field companies aren't, even no. though they say they will. No. But mean, like big data has changed. I mean, like what was called big data before and now, yeah, it and, keeps and, and getting now everything's, bigger. And, but now like they would like DuckDB, DB and even like, you can process what we call big data on your laptop. Exactly. You know, like, in, or
1: like on your cell phone. Yeah. Um, if we could go back to like, you know, the early two thousands, this is huge data. Right. Yeah. The yeah. ability to sequence these genomes is massive. If we could just undo Moore's just, law a little bit. You just bit. need Hadoop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Send me the parking. <laughs> this is, this is
0: I'm so proud of our nerdy jokes in this uh, podcast today. This is exactly, you what
1: know, we're like. I bet there's going to be like three people listening. We're like, this was the most hilarious conversation <laughs> ever. We might be those three people when right. we listen to it. We're going to laugh all over again. Um, the reality is it's, I mean, genomes are, are huge in terms yeah, of the ACs, T's and G's, but assume. it's not like Netflix yeah. size. It's not Seismic surveys, yeah, you
0: know, like,
1: yeah. We're not talking petabytes and petabytes of data. Wah wah. Actually, <laughs> I say that, but that's a good thing because it yeah, allows yeah, absolutely. To move that's why I asked, a lot quicker. because yeah,
0: <laughs> if if you do have that, then it just becomes a whole monster just managing it and trying to process it. And, and the signal to noise it. is yes, so absolutely. much
1: trickier to work with. Yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bobby and I know that as
1: well.
0: <laughs> we, have, we would have. Well, I mean, we would have people that were like, "No, we want you know, because you could you can program the gauges to say record for one second. Uh, for two weeks, and then bump it to ten seconds or thirty or whatever. And you yeah. don't
1: need that most of the yeah. time, especially if you're just going to reduce the noise or run a smoothing mm-hmm. function yeah. on We're it. Yeah, like, anyways,
0: yeah. And well, like, that's yeah. And right, some of these then, wouldn't change yeah. a, a psi in an hour.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> at like, point, you know, like I don't know
0: how like familiar you are with that stuff, but it's like you. Literally but you have that talking it, point. Well, you leave it on a well for weeks, yeah, and but, it's look literally just watching the pressure derivative. And the first thing you do when you do analysis on it is filter the the fucking data. And well, like,
1: especially if it's a derivative too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, right. And so
0: it just makes it worse <gasps> because you get all this happens, noise. I wanted to see. And so, yeah. Or like <laughs> they would they would they would require us to have one second, so we'd do it, and then they the minute they got the data, they would email Bobby and say, "Uh, E-sample I can't yes, I can't open this in my Excel. Ex- my spreadsheet E-sample because this. there's too much data. Can you?" Can you split it up or sample it? Or, I
1: really or, hope you made that into a drinking game.
0: We we automated the export so that they could pick whatever type of uh, aggregation they wanted yeah. because Bobby and I were sick of dealing with. It. <laughs> yeah. Fun fact, but
1: Chat GPT, can you write this form letter so we <laughs> yeah. can just fill in the blank? Well, I was Thanks. just like,
0: why not? Like Thanks. we're doing it so much, it's a simple process to to do. But well, I know you got yeah, to yeah, run out. Um,
1: uh, well. We say that, but the truth is, if left to our own devices, we would be talking about this stuff oh, for six or we'll seven. Hours. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We would hyper focus on could, this, and it'd be like this time tomorrow, and we'd still be like, so <laughs> yeah. let's. Talk no, I mean, about there's a ton to unpack here.
0: I mean, like again, it was gonna. there will need to be a volume two or three. So oh, for absolutely. True. But um, you want to get in the speed round or? Yeah, or I was gonna, or make, you got one more. Sorry. Yeah, let's do the the last question. What we we kind of wrap up with this one most of the time, but what? You know, what's kind of one piece or some advice that you would give someone either in college, high school, or coming transitioning over to energy or looking to transition into energy, trying to get into the energy tech kind of community. What's, what's kind of your advice for them? Just do it.
1: Like to quote Nike, I'm doing all kinds of early 2000 throwback, whatever it is. If it's cold emailing someone, if it's reaching out on LinkedIn, if it's taking your first Coursera course, if it's applying for a job at a tech company, you don't think you're gonna get, just make the space for it, do it. Acknowledge it's gonna be hard, it's gonna be scary, but give yourself the space and permission yeah. to just freaking do it. Cause what's the alternative? That's yeah. that's
0: like, I've, you know, I've been in sales most of my career and that's one of those things that like, guess what? You don't know if you don't ask, you know? Exactly. And so like people yeah. get so timid about little stuff or not, oh, should I email this yeah. If you email them and they don't message you back, you were literally back yeah. in the spot yeah. that you started. Yeah. So what, what is the worst case scenario? Just,
1: just tell yourself it went to spam. And right. Be like, yeah. well, I can still yeah. sleep at night.
0: Right. Okay. No, that's that's good. I that's a, a good one. You want, let's let's dive into the speed round. So we're gonna pepper you with some questions. <laughs> let's do it. Just quick answers. <laughs> I'll let you. Kick All right. us off. Well, we've got to I ask think we know one. what your favorite cloud <laughs> yeah, is. We know that. One. So I'll skip <laughs> that one. But uh, what's your favorite database?
1: <sighs> Postgres running RDS.
0: Yeah. Swiss Army Knife. Just great. Yeah. Favorite managed service. This is a good question for you because you're very familiar with lots of managed service.
1: I was gonna say Amazon Aurora actually, because it never used to be very good, but it's gotten a lot better lately. I don't even know what Aurora it's, is. It's a database like, service. It's a DBA service. As a service, yeah.
0: like it, you know, you don't have to even manage what, the disk underneath. it. just kinda nope, auto sizes and multi-availability zones. Zone. I've heard really good things too about things. how it like it optimizes like the compute, like and it's gonna yeah, go real fast. It, like, it used to be
1: I yeah, shouldn't no, it say was, it used to be hard. It was, it was, no, it was sketchy really AF when it yeah, first yeah. came out. But, but no, I've,
0: had... I've heard really good things about yeah. it. I mean, even real, say relative, because I mean, I like on, on Azure, Azure SQL is pretty damn good. You know, it's a, yeah. a serverless kind of database, but I've heard there's like, it, it'll scale up the compute and down. You oh, know, fa- fast, actually, you know. no, S3. S3 okay. is an
1: object storage, 11.9 is mm-hmm. a durability, multi-AZ redundancy. Yeah. You can put anything in s3 and it will be there forever yeah glacier deep and Arcade. what's built
0: off i mean you get like snowflakes built on top of the yeah, like, yeah, technology so and like flexible.
1: and really every aws service is just s3 all the way down we'd always yeah. joke at conferences this is a big laugh if you're ever in an aws conference and they release a new service just say it's s3 buckets all the way down <laughs> yeah. like turtles all the way down <laughs> yeah. kills them every time
0: and who's the who's <laughs> the guy he's the uh Corey Quinn, like he, he talks about Corey it. Quinn and hey, Jeff Barr. Yeah. And now, er- er- everything friends. on AWS is database. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. runs a database, you know.
1: He once, um, I wrote a blog for AWS and he once messaged, mentioned it in one of his weekly emails. Yeah. And then I met him at reInvent. I have a picture with him somewhere. Him and Jeff Barr both highlighted that's, my life. That's awesome. <laughs> Again, the three listeners that yeah. get better.
0: <laughs> what about your favorite open source tool? Or-
1: I'm... I'm going to have to say the OSDU energy data platform that is transforming the energy industry right now, led by the open group. Actually it's it's really cool. And I've been really impressed by the commitment. A lot of marquee energy companies are doing to stand by it, to really lead. It started with exploration data. It's really gone to the entire value chain. It's been a huge commitment for energy companies, not just to compete on the things on how their data is stored, but really look at what makes them differentiated. And it's, open source is tough and brutal and they've stuck by it. Like the Exxon yeah. Mobil's and the shells of the world have stuck by it. And that's
0: awesome. Well, and when you're able to put those standards, I look at that, like, you know, I think what FinTech kind of put some of those standards in place yeah. and now you have things like Stripe and stuff yeah. that were built yeah. off that, that, I mean, just enable, yeah. but that wasn't possible if every bank had a different API. You yeah. Know? But like when you were able to kind of standardize that API that glues the things together, I mean, the, the software and everything that's going to be able to be built against that is just going to be so much better.
1: And it was really, when it when it first came out, probably four or five years ago, I was at conferences where people were kind of laughing it out and like pie in the sky is never going to amount to anything. And it takes one of the AWS leadership principles or one of the famous Jeff Bezos quote is like, leaders are willing to be misunderstood for yeah. long periods of time. And this is an mm-hmm. example in the energy transition space to be like, do you want to whinge about it or do you want to shut up and do the damn right. thing? Yeah. And to see the the commitment and the support and trying to change it from the inside that's cool. It's really yeah. easy to just complain yeah. about stuff in the energy space. And it's cool to see people actually shut up and do something about yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Well, especially around something that <laughs> we all have problems with. Yeah. And it's like, oh, our lives would be so much easier if we had data standards, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah.
1: Like, and even if it doesn't work, it's movement in the right direction. Right. Absolutely. And well, yeah. We're trying. Well, I
0: mean, like, and I always point to like Witsimo, like, you love it or hate it, but that was a standard. And then you, companies like Corva, and people are able to build yeah. off of that. Like, I mean, like, the, people exactly. will figure out how to work with it. Yeah. And, like, and you give them, Again, that's why I think drilling is so far ahead of, say, completions 100%. on the you know the data side because they had a standard in place that people knew how to build yep. against. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's and it's analogous to anything else in the tech side, right? Like USB, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. Yeah. Like, look at all the cool shit that happens yep. everybody puts their egos down and yeah, like, yeah. decides a standard. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. You got some um, Yeah, so I mean, you talk, you talk about security. What about like your favorite kind of security tool or service or?
1: I really think my, my favorite security just principle stuff in general is just locking your computer and using yeah. not it's, the same password for everything. Like yeah. keep it simple. Don't make ma- things overly manager. complicated. Yeah, like you, you <laughs> don't need um keys for everything. The the keys that you yeah. plug in, mm-hmm. like a USB key for everything. But like don't use the same password. I, right. I do use a password manager. It's one that has not been hacked. Yeah. yeah. I love auto generated passwords.
0: It's It's just crazy. I feel like love
1: two factor authentication. Yeah. Well,
0: because like I was very resistant to a password manager for a while. And then I finally started working at a company that required one. And it's like, holy shit, this is so much better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to remember what I I had to get a new phone phone.
1: and all the apps in there. I was able just to like click, click, click. Yep. Done. Yeah. It's so easy. Or then
0: like, you know, you get those stupid email reminders of it's time to change your password for whatever the fuck it is. And then you can't use the old Old password. And you're like, what am I going to do? Okay, you don't like, have to worry about it anymore i only anymore. have yeah. two passwords yeah. in rotation right. i can't keep right numbers at yeah. him right you come up with some like unique variation of uh-huh. that yeah, password yeah. that you'll never remember again yep. <laughs> just changing the, the character on the end of it like, yep <laughs> and yep
1: and then it's like you them. can't use this <laughs> like all your it's 80% the same, Um yeah.
0: yeah or like people start adding you know it's gone from what seven or six to eight now eleven and it's probably gonna be yep. higher unless they figure something else out but
1: also like but like Liz is awesome is the best password exclamation mark yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, for legal reasons, that is a joke that is actually not the password to any yeah. of my stuff.
0: Yeah. We did something similar with the Netflix password that we, that we share with our family. We, we, we basically, we, we basically made them say that my wife and I are awesome. Like they had to type the whole thing out whenever they wanted to use our yes. Netflix account. I'm going to be doing that with my sister Subtle in the conditioning. <laughs> Yeah. What, uh, what's your favorite video or
1: board game? Uh, board game is gonna be Dominion with the expansion packs. Play a lot of board games. Oh I love, I love a board love games. The board game. Dominion expansion packs. Okay. The last couple. I actually answered that one quickly and succinctly no, and didn't perfect. go down a rabbit hole. No, yeah. I'm very proud.
0: No, I just need to go look it up and probably oh, yeah, my, my so wife loves good. board games. So, so good. Um, all right, I'll just go right to the last one. What's the most interesting bleeding edge tech you're excited about?
1: honestly the stuff we're doing is so freaking cool and the ability to scale it up yeah combining the bioprospecting with the genetic engineering and the laboratory evolution bringing it into the cloud i haven't seen anyone do anything like it and it's awesome
0: yeah i mean it's unlike anything i've heard so like, i mean i could to be, and for you to be able to drive the direction of it's, it's yeah. pretty really awesome cool. i mean it's really, really cool. sweet awesome I'm, I'm excited about about it tell tell people where they can Find you
1: in Uh you can find me on LinkedIn, Liz Dennett, D E N N E T T, and Vita is just Google Vita. Google Vita Liz. I'm the one with the bright purple hair. Yeah. There's probably a few Liz Dennetts out there, but uh, the one with the bright purple hair is me.
0: And all the really informative videos. <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: I'm very doxable, very very Googleable. Oh,
0: yeah. no, they're they're it's no, great it's, content. It's I awesome. could never be a spy
1: or have like a, <laughs> yeah. a secondary life. Yeah,
0: yeah and definitely. i mean, a shout out to your your Medium blog stuff too. I mean, yeah, thanks. No, it's really good. So people definitely need to check it out, especially coming out of uh, academia and stuff like that. And I pointed my sister in law to those. Aww. You know. Um, just because, I mean, she needs to understand, like, the transition from, you know, yeah. being an ac- academic and being in school to, like, this is, you know, you need to it be was, useful. and
1: it, it was one of those just-do-its. I had an airplane ride. The Wi-Fi wasn't working. Yeah. And it was hyper-focused. I got in there, and then next thing I know the flight attendant's like, ma'am, you got to turn off your computer. And I was like, oh, wow. frick, it's been, like, four hours. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so it's always great to hear that. So thank you so much. Yeah. Of course. Awesome. Uh, no,
0: thank you for being on. Yeah, appreciate it. We'll See you all next time. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy
1: enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do.
0: Goodbye.